0: Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. This is a podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Beko and my partner, Hari. This is episode 29. Episode 29, price to free cash flow in more detail. In, uh, in the previous episode, episode 28, we talked about price to earnings in detail. In this episode, we're going to talk about pre- price to free cash flow. There relatively similar concept mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's price how much you pay for something divided by you know, how much is the company generating yep. and it's a multiple it's a multiple of you know you know five six seven twenty forty um, whatever the number is for that company okay uh, so let's dive deep into what what price to free cash flow is about uh, before we move on to some of the more de- finer details, let's first define it. Price to free cash flow. What does that mean, Hari? What? How do you calculate price to free cash flow?
1: So um, let's let's define free cash flow first, yep. so that we can do price to free cash flow. Yep. So free cash flow is the operating cash flow minus your capital expenditures. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, we've talked about this several times um especially in the financial statements yeah. under the cash flow statement. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's operating cash flow is, you know, the the top of that is the cash flow from operations. You get a number called operating cash flow and then below that you have capital expenditures um which is investments and in also called investment in property, plant and equipment. Um those two numbers are uh readily available um but what you would be careful about is this is really about maintenance capital expense right because companies invest in um free cash flow also invest in um uh growth capital expenditures so you want to use the maintenance part of it because the growth is a is a something else entirely right and the idea here is that you're looking for the number that you're getting out of this is how much money does me as an owner keep in the business long term right because if I own a business, what I care about is the profit from the business, right? And the profit from the business is measured in how much I can take away from the business without it affecting the day-to-day operation. So that's hence the maintenance part of this is I have to maintain the business. Otherwise, eventually the main, the business will, you know, fall apart if I don't keep uh, the maintenance uh, going. So that, that gives you the free cash flow, And, you know, if you're still confused, I'd go listen to the financial statements uh, lecture again. Um, and then you're now going to take the price like we did in the last episode. You're, you're t- the price is on a per share basis. so it's, Or it's the market cap divided by the free cash flow. right? So price... Uh, To free cash flow per share, which is essentially free cash flow divided by the shares outstanding or market cap divided by the total free cash flow for the company. So, those two numbers give you, uh, and this is also on an annualized basis, Mm -hmm. uh, just like the PE. Um, And theoretically, you could do trailing 12 months and, you know, forward uh, price to free cash flow and all that stuff.
0: But usually reported in an annual.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, now let's, um, you know, we don't need to rehash all of that stuff about forward and, and trailing and all that. But what I would say is let's look at it more from a perspective of what is what a, what is a good number to actually look at, yeah. right? Um, so when you look at um, a private business transaction, right, if I went to you as a, you run this hot dog stand that we've been talking about for a while. Um, you know, private businesses tend to go for seven to 10 times earnings, seven to 10 times free cash flow right the idea is that there's a payback time of if i buy this business from you i will recoup my investment in seven years right seven to eight years you know seven to ten something around that time that's assuming that the business doesn't grow at all right that's i'm just taking the money out of the business from operations and just paying myself back right that's the payback time Right and so 7 to 8 years is reasonable. So when you see a tech company that's saying 40 times earnings, 100. 100 times earnings, 200 times earnings, right? If they don't continue to grow, then you have to make it'll be 200 years before you're paid you paid back, yeah. right? Which is ridiculous, right? No I mean that effectively means you're never going to get paid back. Now, there so that's why they're assuming there's going to be a significant amount of growth into the industry, right? But growth is hard to measure and growth is hard to know how long it'll take before you get there, right? So ideally, you know, in an ideal world, the higher the PE, the higher the growth rate, and then you can justify it, right? But that's not how it works in the real world, right? There are three years from now, we may be in a recession, and so that may wipe out all of your, you know, uh, things. So you want to have, like we said before, a m- significant margin of safety, right? So how do you measure that? Well, you know typically you want to you know one way to do this is to flip the free cash flow to price uh price to free cash flow on its head and call it the free cash flow yield right so free cash flow divided by the price should give you a percentage um um and in in the in real estate they use you know uh what's called like the 10 cap method so 10 times if you get a 10% yield that's a great bargain in real estate right So that means that you're essentially trading at, you know, a uh, price to free cash flow of 10. Or if you flip the yield, it's, you know, it's 10%. So why would you want, you know, that number essentially tells you that you're getting 10% of your money back, um, you know, and if the yield is higher than that, that's even better, right? So you want a margin of safety on that yield. So if you can get a price to free cash flow of, five or a yield of 20 you know in the inverse to 20 percent that's fantastic right i mean that's beating the market right there by a large margin by a large margin yeah. so right if the market can return about eight to ten percent a year which is what the s p 500 index fund will return then you want a price to free cash flow um you know of less than seven you know so which will give you a yield of like 12 percent with a margin of safety yeah. right so that's that's the Thought process that should be going through your head is: if I know that the S and P five hundred will give me ten percent, and I can't find a company that, you know, can yield me better than ten percent on my on my money, then I should just put my money in the the S and P five hundred, right? Now, if I can find it, then I need to also make sure that there's a margin of safety. So if I've made any mistakes, um, that I'm covered, right? And so that's why you want to see, look for a yield of. You know, price to free cash flow of seven or less, because what you're looking for then is a yield of twelve to fifteen percent or more, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's a really interesting way to kind of flip flip itself on its head and look at it that way. Um, I, I want to touch on because we talked about price or earnings and price to free cash flow. I met. I think this could be a good place to talk about why you want to use perhaps free cash flow over earnings or earnings over free cash flow. Um, tell us about that, Ari. <clears throat>
1: yeah, so I, I would say that inherently both are flawed. Like you're not gonna be able to pick one or the other as as a sole uh, example, right? Mm-hmm. But there are actually uh, companies <clears throat> out there who have positive earnings and negative free cash flow. yeah, And that's because they have to expense put so much money back into the business just to maintain it, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not covered in earnings Mm -hmm. uh, necessarily, right? Um, And then there are other businesses that generate tons of free cash flow um, that have very minuscule earnings, right? And that's, you know, because of the cash accounting nature versus the the accrual-based method of accounting, right? And so you want to make sure that both of those are, you know, Understand why one or one could be low and one could be high, uh, and you know, and 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 then make sure that you understand why that 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 you know those discrepancies exist. Mm-hmm. Most more often than not, they are pretty close to each other. Right. Um, but you know, earnings can be manipulated. Free cash flow is a little bit harder to manipulate, yeah. but it can be manipulated, but right. not as easily. Right. Uh, and you know that and that could be because free cash flow the easiest way to manipulate it is to underinvest in your own business right saying that you're generating more money than you should but you're not actually replacing yeah. failing equipment and then people stop coming to your store because it's shabby or you know that kind of thing so you do have to maintain it right and that maintenance expense has to be adequate right um, as a percentage of you know
0: S- net sales or yeah whatever,
1: however you would measure it yeah. you know you would want to look at it historically and make sure that it so that tells you something different than what earnings tells you right mm-hmm. um and so earnings could be could be manipulated in multiple different ways yeah. with
0: um i think especially by quarter by quarter yeah
1: quarter could, by quarter uh you know shifting sales that kind of stuff, yeah
0: yeah, if you want to hit like. A guidance target of whatever you can just shift that number to the next quarter or this quarter. You can exploit the process. Yep. Put it in this quarter, or the next quarter, and the PE just changes over time, just right. like that. Right. Yeah. So important to important to you know smooth out your calculation by taking into account multiple quarters and perhaps multiple years. Yep. For both price to earnings and also price to free cash flow.
1: Yeah, and I I would also say when you do the free cash flow, when you measure maintenance capex, a good a good way to do that is to Average out multiple years of capital expenditure, yeah. Because then that tells you maybe you don't have to spend as much every year, um, but you you know so some years it's lower, some years it's higher, but it evens out when you you know you average it all together.
0: Right. I think this is kind of you know your point about your maintenance capital, and the free cash flow at, and the free cash flow calculation. It goes back to one of our questions in the checklist, which was. Does the company require a lot of capital investment to maintain its business? And that's essentially going right to the question of our checklist. Uh, that's you know it's essentially you want a business that doesn't have to invest so much of their cash into maintenance, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, owners as owners, we want to retain as much cash as we possibly can yep. without having to deteriorate the business. And if you're if you're having to put all your money, a lot of your money into maintenance, uh, into maintenance. That's not a good business to be in.
1: Yeah, and I, what I would say is, it may be a, a bad business, but it may be okay if there's a significant margin of safety, right? If I can buy it for three times earnings, okay. I mean, it it's right. yeah, yeah. I have to put my money back into the business, but does it still generate enough cash flow to justify it, right? right? And the justification occurs at the valuation level, right, right? Right. They're still generating enough free cash flow for me to justify that. Mm-hmm. Um. Whereas a tech business may be able to justify a higher valuation just because you know, they have less in the way of maintenance capital expenditures.
0: Yeah. I think perhaps this is a good point to talk about kind of two different... We can lightly touch on this and maybe we we'll would do an episode on this. Lightly touch on you know, different types of, value, different types of value, uh, value investing. Like we talked about, we can find a great company for a relatively cheap price. That's a long-term hold, maybe a forever hold, possibly. Yep. And you can find a company that's, you know, not as great as the one before, but the valuation is so attractive that it right. might be a three-year hold or a five-year hold or maybe a, you know, a year or two-year hold, and then you just sell it at the end, at the end of that when the valuation reaches it's a you know good level.
1: Correct. And and that's yeah, that's an important distinction in valuation and and in value investing is you know, when you go through your checklist, you need to know what type of business you're owning, right? Is this a great business that you can buy and hold forever? Or is this a, and by forever, it may be five years, 10 years, you know, or is this a business that once it reaches the valuation discrepancy is, you know, that is breached, that you're done with it. Like you don't go and you just sell it off and then there's nothing else to be had from it. Right. Um, and so, those are. That's an important thing to think about when you do this. Is that those those cheap businesses that are not necessarily all that great. You buy, you hold it. Then the the PE goes from five to ten, and you say, well, I you know I can't reasonably expect it to go from ten to twenty. Uh, I'm just done with it, yeah. right? And then you dump the stock.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, all that to say that you know these valuation metrics could could. Could get you there. Um, yep. The free cash flow, price to free cash flow, price to earnings—we talked about in the previous episode. Um, again, to Haris' point, you know, we don't want to simplify everything down to a single number, but this is a good entry point into your valuation calculation. Um,
1: yeah, and I think if you're, you know, Becco and I are both scientists, and so we think in, or at least I'll speak for myself. I I think <laughs> in precise, you know, kind of measurements. Mm. Um, and valuation is not a precision argument, right? You are—it's not a precision instrument to where you can, you know, determine the value accurately, right? Because the value is constantly changing, and the value is um, is somewhat amorphic, right? There's reasonable estimates that you can make on assumptions and things like that. So if you're listening to this and you're like, "Yeah, but what formula do I use to just nail this down?" right? There isn't one, right? And so you have to get over that fact that. Yeah. It's cheap is a is a rel- is a term not defined well with you know precision right and so you're going to have to find that it's cheap you know what is the actual value well it's between some number and some number and I'm going to be paying thirty forty fifty percent less than the valuation on a conservative basis
0: yeah. Yeah, more and more I do this, I realize this is really more of a I I I think yeah, I think you know, investing in value as an exercise, a lot of it is storytelling with numbers. You know, you have these numbers and you wrap these numbers with stories around it and 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 try to make a story out of it. And I think the art part of it is, is certainly hard to master. I think. Um,
1: yeah, because I, I think once you start, there are certainly people who come at this with a quantitative mindset, and they will tell you they're quantitative hedge fund and all of that stuff. And I would say that's great. What are your rate of return? Oh, it's the same as the a- index fund, or lower. Or lower. Then in many cases, then you're probably not doing it right, right? And I would say that valuation doesn't is not a quantitative thing, right? it is in some regard which is why you have ratios and things like it's that it's
0: important to have the have the quantitative down right so, yeah
1: yes correct i shouldn't say it's not uh it's not it's irrelevant but there's an art to this which is something that's harder to measure right when measuring is the management open and honest how do you uh, measure w- yeah. what's the number that you apply to that yeah what's right? the formula yeah and so when you when you measure how stable our future cash flows going to be that's not a metric that is not a, a a numeric thing that I can quote to you um, uh, and, and say that they are stable or they are unstable, right? You have to start using the art part of this to identify that. And that that is a something that comes with experience. Yeah. And then there are some things that are coming that come with common sense, right? And so you have to kind of think about it as, you know, what do you know about the world? And 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 then expand your knowledge of the world, right? So in in many ways and i think uh you know warren buffett and charlie munger describe themselves as learning machines right and that learning machine aspect of this is i may not know anything about you know computers or i may not know anything about semiconductors i may not know anything about you know women's fashion right but i go learn about it and identify those things and that helps me become better at the valuation component of this
0: yeah i think we trailed off here uh into different realm but certainly very important topics right there you just you just touched on. Um anything else you want to add to this topic of price to free cash flow before we close it off?
1: Um no, I I think what I I, I say in this caveat um you know we've talked about before if these are concepts that are you're struggling with um you know in about uh in a you know after uh, the Christmas holidays uh Becco and I are actually going to start evaluating uh, real companies using this checklist and using valuation me- measurements, I think that'll help uh, you understand this a lot better. Uh, it certainly makes it um, easier for me to, to do, because right now we're just talking about it in abstract concepts. Right. When we start doing it with a real company, I think it'll be much more useful, yeah, for sure. uh, and we'll have real world examples for you to follow along with.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very much looking forward to that uh, next year. So, okay. So that is episode 29 Price to Free Cash Flow. Um, thank you guys for listening, and I will see you guys on the next episode, episode 30. Thank you. Thanks.
1: Uh-